Okay, here we go. Here we go. Welcome to True Alignment. I'm Edgar Papke. And I'm Kem Tagendorf. Thanks for joining us on the True Alignment podcast today. And where are we broadcasting from? We are broadcasting from the Gronowski Innovation Incubator in the Anderson College of Business and Computing at Regis University in Denver, Colorado. Man, you are so consistent with that mouthful. <laughs> nice job, as Thanks. always. <laughs> hey, welcome to all of you out there. Um, welcome to the conversation about everything alignment. As always, your questions, thoughts, comments, anything at all are welcome. Uh, you can, at any time, feel free to email us at info at truealignment.com um, with uh, anything that you want to share with us, uh, including uh, for today, uh, since we have a guest, uh, any questions with respect to, um, yeah, what we'll be talking about today, which is really uh, the conversation of alignment, life, and uh, and then this uh, ongoing relationship that we have with mortality. I think it might be a good way to, to mm. um, yeah, oh, here's something bright to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, so uh, joining us today is the author of Fox World, Jack Russell. Really interesting story. Great book. And um, we'll, let, uh, we'll let Jack tell us uh, about uh, how he came to write the book and all about his story and um, in the essence of, uh, of his message that comes through uh, the book. Yeah, that'll speak to us all. That does speak to us all. Yeah. Jack, welcome. Well, welcome, Edgar and Ken uh, from the Blue Ridge Mountains. And as you can see behind me, the Fox Den in our home where we uh, also have a studio uh, and a lot of uh, Fox memorabilia that fans of Fox World have sent me, including tapestries, oil paintings, watercolors. Uh, we literally get a, a box or two every week from people who have read the book and either were in love with foxes or are now uh, enamored with them, or maybe just picked up on a message that they uh, needed to hear as a human. Yeah. Uh, the wonderful medium of writing and sharing your story. I mean, I, I think at the end of the day, this is what the podcast is, is really about. It is, it, it's our history and our work, but it is about sharing a story. It is. Uh, yeah. And all of us, uh, a simple way to put that is that all of us have our own storyline. And yours is a really interesting one. And so we're grateful for that you're joining us for the conversation here today. So uh, to dive right in, if I may, uh, tell us about uh, Fox World and, and your relationship and your conversations with the Fox. Well, why don't we also dive right into that topic of mortality uh, <laughs> or when you yeah. face the moment in the day when uh, uh, you realize that it's... Uh, it's a limited amount of time we have left. Um, I, I was a successful corporate executive for 30 years. Um, you know, 47 states, a dozen countries as the head of distribution for a German company. And uh, went to uh, a doctor for an annual physical as required by my company and got a resounding best shape you've ever been in. And the next day I almost died. And that was the beginning of a different 
certainly a different life. In fact, it was technically, according to my doctors, the end of the old one for about 60 or 70 seconds. And the odds of recovering from sudden cardiac arrest unassisted are infinitesimally uh, large or small. And uh, so I had a a corporate career and all the trappings of that. And now I'm very ill and struggling for my life. And uh, that uh, included four heart operations over the course of eight or 10 weeks. One was botched and, uh, uh, you know, it caused a lot of uh, additional uh, ancillary problems. So it, it, uh, I finally found my way to the woods to do some cardiac rehab walking uh, one morning. And my wife's with me and I said, I'm going to walk a mile today. I had just gotten out of the hospital the day before. I say she probably wasn't happy with you on that declaration. I don't know if she wanted to laugh or finish me off (laughs) at that point. Uh, But as we looked up the trail, there was a fox sitting on the path, waiting, just sitting on his haunches. And I recognized him. He has uh, very unique markings. And it was the fox I'd saved many, many years ago as when he was a a kit. And uh, I'd see him periodically. And he's waiting. So I said, I'm going to walk my mile. Well, I made it, I think, 55 steps before I fell. And my wife uh, came running and said, you dummy, and what are you trying to prove? Nice feedback. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. (laughs) And uh, so the next morning I wake up, and I'm curious. I'm not heeding uh, my wife's uh, good advices. I want to know if the fox is there. So we go back, and sure enough, he's there. And I walked a little farther that day, and we got a little happier about maybe life was going to be okay again. Well, of course, I don't need to tell you what happened the third morning when I woke up, right? Curiosity kills the cat or the the man, almost in this case. Mm -hmm. And I went back, and he was there, and we walked more. And for the next 14 months, we walked 500 miles together. And we went through virtually every peril and uh, adventure, misadventure that human and animal could. Uh, He almost died three times. Uh, I continued to have some issues with uh, uh, the arrhythmia in my heart, which they finally were able to deal with. Um, And we just kept walking. And I'm not a writer. I had no plans to write a book, but I did something. and I'm not sure why. I did it at the time. Now I look back on it, and I'm very sure why I did it, because I, I felt something coming up inside me that I wanted to, to, to express. But I wrote, the, I wrote the entire Fox World book on my iPhone as we walked. And when I got finished, I was publishing it on a blog, and people said, well, make it into a book. And I looked at all of it, all 400 pages, and I said, it, it's, it's just like a travelogue. It doesn't have any meaning. I can post this, and I did, and people enjoy it. It's unique to see photographs of a fox and a man walking and how odd that is. I said, but the real story here is what if I went back, stayed true to the story, because the book is true, all the events, but what if I rewrote it in third person, and what if I let the fox tell part of the story? Because I felt that fox, you, we, you, the jury's out on whether people believe a fox talked, and we all know uh, in reality it didn't. But maybe it was part of my self-talking 
that I wasn't able to express in the past. Maybe that was the words coming back. And so that's how Fox World unfolded into the book it is. Uh, today, uh, it's done well. It's been on the Friesen Press, which is the largest publisher in Canada. It's been on their bestseller list twice. And now with the softbound coming out recently, probably headed there again. Uh, it's been in, consistently in the Amazon Top 100 for wildlife books. Um, and it's attracted, and we can talk maybe later about this, there's some interesting stories. It's attracted the attention of some very uh, no, known and noted people in the naturalist world, like the likes of Dr. Jane Goodall, who have become friends with as a result of the book Fox World. There's a, a in listening to your story, and, and I'd like to just unpack it a little bit with you. Um, mm -hmm. You said something interesting, and uh, which uh, I'd like to delve into a little bit with you, and that's um, when you said you had all the trappings of the corporate world, and by all standards, you were you were a success. So how did you, the two questions actually, the first one is how did you define success at that time in your life? And um, how, if it has, which to, to a great degree I think it has from, from listening to you and reading it, um, it shifted. And so how would you define your success back in the corporate world? And now how do you define success? Well, I, I define success simply in the corporate world as advancement, but advancement's not alignment. Mm -hmm. I, and I've read in, uh, or either listened to one of your previous podcasts or read in your book that that pain you feel between current state and real future state is the width of a misalignment <laughs> or lack of alignment. I felt it. You, you, if you, uh, even if you're the most tone deaf human being, you, you feel the, 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 the pain in the chest or the discomfort with, you know, how things are not working as well as it could. So I, I, I simply defined it as advancement, success, next rung on the ladder. But I found that was I putting my ladder against the right house? Because I, I, once I climbed, once I got, became ill, I realized that things were very different. Um, I liken uh, uh, or compare what I went through as, and I'm older than you gentlemen, but I used to have a toy when I was a kid called an Etch-a-Sketch. Remember that toy? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. draw pictures and then your sibling grabs it and shakes it and destroys it all, right? Well, I felt the day that I died for 60 seconds was the day that I could be, that literally life began over. Mm -hmm. And I could go back to the way I did it in the past or I could uncouple those cars and do something differently. So, so how do you define success now? And, and let's call this the, uh, the second la the second life you have. Yeah. Uh, what's your <laughs> definition now? If, uh, when somebody says, so what does success look like for you now? It, well, let me say this. It feels a lot better. Mm -hmm. Um, I, uh, I, I, I've changed every, I mean, I still do consulting. Um, I, I left Allianz. I retired after 20 years. Um, I, I still do the things you need to do in business where you need the skills. Um, but I, I listen better. I'm a far better listener. I found that listening is much just more fun. I would have never said that as an executive because I had to <laughs> 
Because I have things to say. Yeah, I have things to tell. The right there. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I think, I think as you probably would gather, we, we found. Uh, oh, wow. So um, somebody just told me earlier today, uh, uh, Doug Hart. So Dr. Doug Hart, he, he said, uh, you know, it's, uh, it, it, it's you make a li- pretty much make a living out of listening. I was like, yeah, well, yeah, that's not a bad way to go. Um yeah, I, I, so thank you for that. So it's, it's really about the feeling part of it, the nature of it. So I'm going to go back to something mm-hmm. then um, as well. Now, now I have real curiosity about this because you're feeling differently. Um, and I'm, I, I will ask you about the spiritual connection you have to, 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 uh, to nature and to the fox, but I'll come back to that just to prep you a little bit. The, um, the idea that um, uh, it shows up physically on us, uh, whatever it is in our lives, the misalignments, the tensions that we carry are going to show up, the mm. physiological effect and and how it is. Do you at all uh, now, looking back on it, correlate your pursuits and your um, your advancement and, and the degree that you were pursuing advancement as a uh, perhaps a cause or a, a contributor to your to to what happened? There's no doubt. There's absolutely no doubt. It's you know, advancement is it, it at a soul level is still not fulfillment. It's it's I don't even know if I call it enrichment. Um, uh, there's as I look back on it, I I, I see and sense and, and observe over those that thirty year career um, uh, disappointment because I never stopped to see. Where am I unplugged? And I had a lot of co- good coaches. You know, my, I mean, I, I worked for Xerox Financial Services and Aetna and Allianz, and they were very good at hiring good coaches. And I was pretty good at listening. So how I didn't do as well in that area as I wanted to or maybe should have, I'm, I'm not sure. But I do know this. It was a direct uh, uh, impact on my health. I mean, how can you have a perfect physical one day and then have arrhythmia that hits? And in fact, the reason I found my way through the woods to walk with the Fox the first day is after all the operations and all the time in the hospital, my surgeon said, go take a long walk in the woods. <laughs> yeah. Jack, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to push a little bit here because, you know, as, as Edgar's talking about, you know, our colleague, Doug Hart says, maybe he listens for a living. Um, here's my question to you. I would argue that we're all listening, but there are things all the time, but there are things that we put in the way or get in the way. And, and so, you know, that, I mean, that, that's the, the best comment as we sit here in the middle of a business school that says I was an executive, so I wasn't listening. I just, um, I'm using that one forever and and ever in my classes now, but it should on the wall. I'll put it in the glass right behind us. Yeah. But, but I would argue because there are these places in our lives that, um, and how should I rephrase the I would argue? You're, you're always teasing me that instead of I would argue, what's Just, the... I think. Yeah. I think that, that we're always listening because there are these times, like uh, there's the gaps. We go on vacation. There's the time when the sun's coming up and you're having the first cup of coffee. Um, I just got back from a pilgrimage. And so there's ways where we can hear all of a sudden. And so I would, I would posit that we're always listening, but the ability to hear 
is is a gap there for for all of us and even even with coaches you know as Edgar and I do uh coaching you know one of the conversations that I think we always get in uh with our clients is to help them hear themselves as opposed to listen to us so you know when you mm-hmm. said you know they hired good coaches the the coach is a tool right the coach is a tool for somebody to figure out some things for themselves and I think that's, you know, we, and Edgar, jump in here. We, do, we frame sometimes the coaching as somebody's going to tell us what to listen to. But the trick is really to get you to listen to, to the things you want to listen to in the first place. Yeah, your own thoughts, your own feelings. Yeah, your own, at the end of the day, your own heart. Yeah. Well, yeah, well I'll, I'll, I'll share a little war story, no pun intended, uh, about the book, uh, I have a friend who's a true warrior. I'm not going to say what branch of the armed forces he's in, but if you think Delta, Navy SEALs, Army Rangers, that's the guy. And he he came to my first book signing in Winchester, Virginia, and he's a man of few words, as you would expect that type of person to be. He goes, read your book. It's a love story. I remember you saying this. Yeah. yeah. I said, a love story? <laughs> I said, the man loving the fox? or He said, no. You went on a journey of in pursuit of self-love. You didn't know it at the beginning, but by the end you did. And so that connectivity to the vulnerable part, because there's nothing more vulnerable than your career is probably over because you just had a heart attack and you've almost lost your life. And now you're out in the middle of the woods with a fox, which most people would think is half crazy. Well, that's when the real work begins. That's when you feel vulnerable and, or I felt vulnerable. I'll keep it in first person. And then you start working on building authenticity because you got no one to lie to in that environment. And so why do I feel better in life? A, I mean, excuse me, life two, Edgar, than life one (laughs) is because I love myself flaws and all better now than I allowed myself to go to in the past uh, for whatever reason. I can't go back and fix it. That life has been, you know, shaken out of the etch-a-sketch, but I can darn sure uh, work on it and do better. And I have, and hopefully by sharing Fox world, because there's a, there's a lot of deeper themes in this than just, Man loves animal, man saves the forest because it's ecologically endangered. Um, and, uh, and we have had some success at that, which we can talk about later. But I thought my warrior friend summed it up best. He said it was a love story. And uh, I've coming from him, uh, a person who probably doesn't show vulnerability because of his profession, he's obviously good at what uh, you know his, his, he does. Uh, because he believes in it. Yeah, that, that lens shifting is so, so important. Even when somebody says to you that there's a different way to see this that you didn't come up with uh, on your own, I, I think that's such a powerful thing. I, I hear in this story the companionship of, of Mr. Fox, right? So even as you, as you write the book in the third person and, and, and you, uh, I mean, I don't know what the I don't know what the adjective is here, the, the adverb about um, how you view yourself, but you talk, you talk about yourself as old man. Um, yes. 
you know, this, this idea of, of how one sees self and, and the ability to, to have somebody walk with you in order for you to see yourself differently. I, I mean, is it, it's an amazing, it's an amazing flow through for any story. Yeah, and then to see yourself in that light, uh, so to see yourself differently then is eventually seeing yourself for who you really are, uh, which then goes to that self-acceptance. And when we talk about alignment and the self at the core of alignment is our uh, lifelong journey towards self-acceptance, which is self-love. I mean, it's the ultimate. And uh, full acceptance as a, as mm-hmm. a, just as a person um, uh, at I guess it is a requirement at some level to be truthful with ourselves and see ourselves for who we really are. I think that's a part of the testament of, of your of your journey is is to that degree of well, I can't really accept myself until I'm truthful with myself. And uh, at the end of the day vulnerability and intimacy is about being truthful around who we are and not having the fear of rejection or in, at a really deep level of self-rejection or self-disappointment. And, um, you know, are we disappointed in ourselves at the end of the day or are we really um, accepting yeah. of who we are and, and what we're doing? Jack, a question for you. Um, sure. Describe, describe Mr. Fox for me. You know, when you when you think Mr. Fox, not the not the animal, not the habitat, but what is it about Mr. Fox that is for you? And I would I and I hear that question as uh, and perhaps this is leading a little bit the spiritual nature of Mr. Fox. How would you describe that? Well, to do a little scene setting, you know, we know we know this, but when you see it and experience it every day, like I did on the walk, nature is a pass-fail world. You make one mistake and things end badly. You know, as humans, we have a much a much larger breadth of options and choices, and a choice not to do something. But an animal doesn't, and so I, I observe the things that this animal encountered and how he dealt with it. And I compared and contrasted it with how as a human, you know, how would we process that? And to live on the edge of death by being killed by a Cody, which nearly killed by a Cody, excuse me, which almost did happen in the book. Uh, he was pretty much a cool cat, Ken. Well, I- he was just, he was just this guy, like, you know, he's the kind of guy that, that could, you know, in a Clint Eastwood way, give you four words and you you, you live the next year of your life by them. I mean, I, so I I won't say I saw him spiritually larger than life, uh, but I saw him as, uh, I forget the word I used in the book, amuse. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, yeah. And I, you know, I wonder, I, you know, the, and, and I was, the word that was coming to my mind that, that doesn't fit here was, was, um, simple. And, 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 and I think what I mean by simple is, you know, you, as you describe that, you know, almost being killed by a coyote and then um, just a, the idea of being cool, right? You know, and I, I, I think that that is one thing that is just so powerful about the animal kingdom in and of itself is that we, we can see these things that draw us to something that is less complex than we have manifested. 
Mm. And so, you know, I remember, I mean, one of my fondest memories that just uh, breaks my heart is I had, I had a dog when I was in grad school. Um, Colby was his name and he was a yellow lab uh, that came with all of the problems of being a yellow lab. He had, (laughs) he had uh, severe separation anxiety disorder and I was a very poor graduate student. I had this apartment and I had, uh, I mean, he had such bad anxiety that he dug his way out of the bottom of a plastic crate. I mean, he, mm. he really did not want to be separated. Uh, it was the only yellow lab in, in history. I'm told that, you know, I would put his food in a bowl in the morning and he wouldn't eat it till I came home at night. Um, wow. you know, just a really kind of rare. Um, and, and it was him and me. And, and, uh, one day I came home, I don't know if I've ever shared this story with you, but one day I came home and I, I, I had, you know, I didn't do the crate anymore, but I had locked him in a back bedroom to limit the damage he was going to do while I was away. And I let him out and he hit his tail on the wall and it split the end of his tail and he sprayed blood. You know, I had this white apartment and he came all the way down the hall. It looked like I was a mass murderer because there was so much blood because he was so happy. His tail is wagging. And, um, long story short, he had done that again and a chunk came off of his tail and we ended up with three surgeries amputating his tail shorter and shorter and then in order to get it to finally heal the the doctors just sedated him so deeply Mm. and one of the best memories I have so many great memories with that dog but one of the best memories I have is him wearing the cone of shame sedated (laughs) beyond belief and me laying down with my head inside that cone with him and, and taking a nap with him, mm. right? There was, there's something, uh, the connection was so deep and so rich that, you know, I think that the animal kingdom gives us a, a, a sense of, of almost a primal connection because of something singular oftentimes, and, and, and that's what I mean by simple is that, you know, we can see something so, some single thing so clearly uh, in our animal brethren. And so, mm. you know, as, as I'm reading Fox World, I mean, that's one of the things that I pick up is the, you know, the idea of the, um, the inner voice, but the companionship that shows the way to the inner voice comes through. We think it comes through the observation, but it comes through the observation of ourselves because the animal has allowed it. I, 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 I think if, if we can listen to animals, and what you just described is a very wonderful story about you listening to the, the essence and depth of the, of the soul of your dog, your friend. If we can listen, learn to listen to them, imagine how well we could learn to listen to each other. Um, because we don't speak their language. I, I think they might speak ours. Uh, there's a, uh, I, I would take that side of the debate. But that's what I found fascinating on the walk as I was learning more about listening to not only Mr. Fox, but all of his friends in the woods, you know, the Blue Heron, uh, the Colonel Hawk, who always circled the, yeah. the, the, the forest and you know, spoke out to us, and Russell Raccoon. And we would see these animals, you know, not every day, but uh, quite often. And I just wonder, what do they have to say? And, and also, what do they have to say in this little, this majestic little 55-acre forest on the outskirts of Washington, D.C.? is everything humanly possible we can do to encroach upon this forest we've done. And I describe it in the book and, and the animals just 
not only persevere, they find a way to to thrive uh, because they've been concentrated in this urban forest into a 55 acre plot of land, 55 acres and shrinking. Um, I, I just, uh, I, well, I could go on and on about listening and, and, and what they say back, but you know what, maybe they're just a good echo chamber. You ask about Mr. Fox and what is he, you know, maybe it's just a good you know, shoulder to cry on or a, a, a sounding board or an echo chamber where I, I had thoughts that were in my, my head that I hadn't previously brought out. Oh, maybe that could be the best thing. Um, yeah. I, I, and I don't think that diminishes it at all. Um, I, I mentioned that I was just on pilgrimage and, uh, you know, we're, a, a Jesuit Catholic institution here, Jack. Um, and so I got to go follow the founder of the Jesuit orders is St. Ignatius and from his home in Loyola, Spain, um, through his kind of walk and then, uh, eventual ending up in the, in the Vatican as the Jesuit order gets formed and through his mm. death in, in Rome. And it was an amazing, amazing spiritual experience. Um, and there's a famous uh, location in the, in the history of the Jesuits in St. Ignatius in Manresa, Spain. And, and we were there at the Jesuit retreat center, and the Jesuits had built these murals in the chapel that's there. Mm-hmm. A wonderful mosaic. Uh, I mean, just amazing mosaic uh, murals. And, and, and the one that stuck with me, uh, and you'll excuse the foray into into religion here. That's not my intent. But the the wonderful mosaic mural that sticks with me was this image of Saint Ignatius um, walking alongside Jesus carrying the cross. And, and the amazing part was the the artist. There were three eyes in the two heads of Ignatius and Jesus side by side, and they were sharing the middle eye. And mm. and the story was the desire to see the world through the lens of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that, I mean, that idea of companionship, I mean, and I, you know, this is what I hear in the story is that idea of companionship. All of those different animal companions is, is, is each one is allowing you, I mean, you get this glimpse, right? Because animals, they're still, and then they're not still. Um, but you get this, glimpse where you can see through their lens, right? I mean, the most amazing thing, yeah. and we, we, we have this, we're, we're fortunate where, where we live that we have this uh, back canal that we walk on every morning. And, and, you know, my wife says hello to the llamas in one field and the horses in mm-hmm. another field. And, um, you know, we're constantly getting our dog not to chase the coyotes um, and, and, and other animals as, as we walk through there. But it, it, it's as you stop and watch, like there's, a, there's just a pause in life because you're trying to look through the lens of, you know, why are they looking over there, right? I mean, it's so funny because if they're looking back at us and they say, watch this idiot turn his head. Like if I turn my head, watch him turn their head. Like, I mean, we just, you know, we do it. We do it. Uh, just it's always interesting. It's always interesting to wonder what they say about us after we walk by. Yes. Right? Yeah. You said, uh, I just uh, picking up on this thread a little bit, is that you said uh, before, Jack, that animals don't speak the same language we do. And I think one of the truths that we have is that while we like to think that we're able to communicate and speak, <laughs> speak in the same language as human beings, we don't. We don't, we, we just don't. And along with that, then the idea of, and this uh, feed, uh, builds on what you're saying, 
and how important it is is that uh, we don't always speak the same language, and that's just natural for us as human beings in a way that we've evolved. But certainly there is always that ability, if we open ourselves up to it, to connect at a deeper level, uh, just as we may connect with uh, an, an animal, in your case, um, your dog, and for you, the you know, here's Mr. Fox. There's um, there's a, such a, uh, um, I I think a, an ability that we have that we're, I don't think we use it often enough, and so because we speak different languages, it's easy for us to blame or criticize or find the misalignments in our relationships. Yet to be able to have a curiosity about what, what really is at a deeper level opens us up to understanding that um, there is a common, somewhere along the line there, we're going to find some kind of common language or some form um, or path to understanding one another. Well, I'll, I'll tell you another road story. Uh, over the past year, um, a friend of mine sent my book to Dr. Jane Goodall. And then, and didn't tell me, unbeknownst to me, and I received this panicky call from her saying, I don't know if you're going to like what I did, but I sent your book to Dr. Jane Goodall, and she's written back to me and wants to talk to you. I said, well, I, at first I thought I was being, uh, I looked to see if it was April 1st on my calendar. Uh, <laughs> and so I got this, she goes, whatever you do, answer your phone, answer your email, don't do anything, just sit in front of all media, uh, te technical media you have. And I got a good laugh out of it, and I did. And half hour later comes an email from Dr. Jane Goodall. And we start talking and we, she was asked some of the same questions you ask about Mr. Fox. Like why did, was he so compelling to me? Cause obviously it was more than he's orange and he's cute and lived 13 years. And so then I said, uh, you ask a lot of great questions about foxes. Why? She goes, because when I return, she travels 300 days a year at age 89. When I returned to the UK, I go out and sit on the same, I don't know if she said it was an elm tree or beech tree. She sits in the crook of it and she writes and she just meditates. And often into her garden walks a fox. And she named it before she met me, Mr. Fox. And she, uh, we had a nice joke about copyright infringement. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but we, 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 just, we became, you think alike, you're both genius. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. A line, a line genius, right? <laughs> um, so we continued the email and she introduced me to people like Craig Foster, who made the movie My Octopus Teacher. And uh, uh, he and I've had some interesting email exchanges about listening to ourselves and how animals can raise our, our spirituality and our, our, our vibration so that we can uh, perform better and listen better as uh, humans. But I finally had the chance to meet her last October. She was in the D.C. area doing a lecture. And uh, I got the call the day of the lecture saying, hey, you got a choice. If, would you like to come back to the green room and talk to Dr. Goodall for a few minutes? Or she would prefer that you go to dinner. And so we went to dinner for three and a half hours. And we talked about the things that were much more about what we're talking about now, alignment and nature and other aspects of the world. But her communication, I knew that if we all could do this, Edgar, we would be a, a giant step in being aligned in the, in the human language. When I met her, 
She said, you must speak to me in fox, and I will speak to you in chimpanzee. And she spoke to me in chimpanzee, and I spoke to her in fox, and she patted me on the shoulder and said, that was really good. And then we sat down for three hours and talked about the earth and what, uh, you know, what we're doing to it and what we need to do for it. A, a really wonderful conversation, but it all started with her talking literally in chimpanzee and me speaking in, in Fox. Uh, it's quite a way to greet, as I understand she does that often. So, <laughs> And so what does a Fox sound like? Well, I did for her, uh, you, you may protect your ears, uh, the vixen's mating call, because all mating in the fox world is initiated by the female, not the male. And so in Virginia, if you're walking around in the forest in December, early January, you'll hear this sound. All right, let me wet my lips. It sounds like a baby crying or screaming. Uh, in fact, there have been uh, stories about people you know, calling 911 to report a, you know, a baby in the woods. Uh, and uh, I think I did it much better for Jane than I just did for you. But anyway, it's, uh, it's, it's, I, I learned, I think spot, foxes have 13 different uh, vocal uh, patterns. And uh, I'm sure uh, uh, one time or another, I heard all of them, but the, the scream or the squall is called is sticks best in my mind. There's a, that makes it, I think I'm going to just hang on to that one, if you don't mind, and use it to have for a workshop icebreaker. Sometime. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite animal? Speak to us in that language. Yeah. It's pretty cool, like actually, it. when you think about it. Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. And so, yeah, because it's certainly then you can unfold that as to what is your relationship to that animal? You know, what's important to you about it? And yeah. I can see yeah. that. Yeah. Well, and she, she is, you know, the, she's just an amazing human being with the power of observation. I, you know, I, this yeah, is very the, much so. Yeah. I, I mean, and that's her, her magic, right? I mean, just the length of time um, to observe again and again and again. I you know, and this is the, you know, in the science world, we and we talk about evolution through the eyes of, of Charles Darwin, um, but rarely do we tell the story of him on, on a boat for years just capturing what he observed. That's really what his work was. And, and mm -hmm. Jane just brought that, you know, so far forward. So, yeah, what an amazing well, interaction with her. Yeah, she... Basically, uh, per, I forget what percentage of the acreage in Tanzania that was put into a wildlife preserve, but I mean, a great percentage, greater than 50%, I'm sure. Um, and she's been very helpful as a mentor to me in saving Fox World. And when we met before, you, you were right on the cusp of Fox World Forest. And uh, with her help and some others, I think we're going to be announcing some good news soon that that land will be protected forever. Yeah, yeah, I actually, Congratulations. Yeah. And I, I walked along that, uh, that path um, yeah. uh, without knowing, of course I made the connection later on, but it's interesting that I, I walked along that path of that, that piece of land there. Um, yeah. There, are, you, are you doing that still now? I'm sorry. Are you still doing that now? Are you, are you uh, walking every day and, do you continue that 
that uh, that practice and and uh, I do uh, if, at least you know five or six times a week mm-hmm. uh, when I'm not traveling. Um, I see Mr. Fox every day. Saw him last evening. Mm-hmm. Um, he is a new father, and uh, I haven't seen his kits, but I saw his mate. And uh, she she was obviously nursing and attending to some kids far away, um, but I couldn't get a photograph of them. But yeah, I, I still enjoy the walk. The the there's been some uh, projects, uh, municipal projects in that land that have cut down a lot of trees. So we've organized to to just think about the wildlife habitat aspects of it before we cut the trees because these trees uh I, I don't have children but my children and their children will never s- if, see a tree like i'm looking at if we plant a new one today um and it's just waking people up i mean sometimes mowing weeds because they're unsightly well you just destroyed a whole plot of milkweed that's the home for monarch butterflies when they come through uh, this part of the east coast so we're raising awareness. We're 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 uh, um, uh, getting scouts, troops involved. Uh, Doctor awesome. Goodall has a, a group called Roots and Shoots, which is for kids that don't get involved in conservation projects. I forget how many chapters there are around the world. So we're going to get um, uh, them involved in our annual cleanup. It's coming up in May, um, but it's just it's. I mean, I. Again, I was 30 years in the corporate world. I'm not a tree hugger, right? But when I was lying, when I was on the ground, somewhere between this dimension and the next, uh, you know, some people would call it a near-death experience. I'm not sure I n- know what happened other than I experienced some things that uh, were otherworldly, uh, and I write about them in the book. Um, but I find that a 150-year-old tree. If you just go out and lean up against it and listen, <laughs> some pretty interesting things. A tree tells no lies. Yeah, there's a there's a this. Uh, oh, you you're reminding me. I was working with a, a producer um, uh, uh, on some music that I'd written, and uh, it, it, his his house and studio is in the redwoods, and part of his home is actually wrapped around. A, a really big redwood tree and he also has him coming wow. through his deck and so he, he at one point he stopped me and said look we're going to take a break here and i'm going to take you outside and give you something to do and then see how this sounds when you come back so i followed him outside and he leads me to a tree and he says here hug this tree and when you <laughs> feel he goes you, you're going to know when you're ready hug this tree until you're ready and uh so i Kind of, kind of all right. He goes, yeah, just go with me on this one. Bonnie Reed did it. You want to do it? So I'm kind of like, okay. Yeah, that's <laughs> something so, you should listen to right so, there. Yeah. Yes. And so, uh, yeah. And then uh, just a, almost like a magical moment where um, it's just a moment of really just coming into myself and, and just core, just feeling the core and went back in and um, put down the track and sang it. Sounded just so different from anything that I had done to that point. And so uh, when somebody tells you to hug a tree, you might want to take the time to do it. It's the moral of my story. So I, I wanted to ask, ask you this. In your efforts now, 
uh, for that to, to protect the land. Because I think we live in this fallacy around human technology and innovation and capability, this idea that we can replenish, that we, that we can take take out of nature or take down something and then that we can replenish or this idea of, and I'm still looking and seeking for the right definition of what sustainability really means. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it's just, uh, if we're going to create real sustainability, it means don't touch it in a way. It does. And so um, that that piece of it, that piece of it for me then, and, and part of your efforts and your work, I just uh, want to share my appreciation with you. Thank you for that. Yeah. Well, you, you know, we can replace or replenish, but you can't replace what a 150-year-old tree saw over its lifetime. Yeah. You know, that's a, an exp- a DNA that, that's gone once you cut the tree down. Now, I don't know what we use that for, but I got to think something that's been around that long for it to be needlessly taken out because of just, you know, not being considerate, not considering wildlife as you do a, a set up a project. Um, again, I'm not a, I'm not a tree hugger. I, I, I was, you know, uh, grew up in a small town. I appreciated forests, but I, at one point in my life, I was a hunter and did other things like that. Um, but I just see the history of a tree or a forest being gone and the, the young people that stood under it and watched it grow over the generations, you can't replenish that. I, you know, I, I hear so much Jack in that language and, and Edgar, when you said, you know, I'm trying to find the definition of sustainability, you know, some of my work in my career has been around this idea of moving from sustainability to regeneration. Mm-hmm. And, and Jack, when you talked about, you know, if you, even if you mow down, if you mow down the weeds, those things never, come back, right? I mean, in, in some sense, uh, I'm hearing you talk about how we move from a hindsight view of nature to a foresight view of nature, right? I mean, and I think this is probably the human fallacy that you mentioned that everything can be replaced, right? I mean, we can, uh, uh, this is what cities, re-greening re, uh, of cities is, mm-hmm. is a hindsight model, Right, we've we've lost these things. We we know the temperature in our Denver's was just was on the news this week. Denver's uh, temperature is going up two degrees in the last fifty years. We're going to plant some trees now. Um, I, I mean, say it out loud. Doesn't sound too smart, does it? Um, <laughs> you know, we should have should have paid attention a, a long time a long time ago. <laughs> we wouldn't have had this problem because we cut down the trees before. Yeah. Right. I, I mean, and I think it is the. It is the foresight. I mean, and that is at the heart of the sustainability conversation too, is how do we develop foresight into the future? I mean, we're, we're really struggling. Yeah, that's one of the big, I think that's one of the broader conversations of alignment, which is, yeah, how aligned are we and, and how, do we, how well do we really truly understand and do that with intention to be able to, to look forward? Unfortunately, as human beings, we always learn from our experiences and we don't always apply those experiences or we have the expectation that things are going to be repetitive and replenishable in some way, right? We're drawn, so, right? I mean, yeah. that's hero's journey yeah. story. Mm. We're, yeah. we're drawn to that. I mean, that has yeah. been yep. <laughs> in our human history. Yeah. The hero's journey is something that draws our attention. Yeah. So, Jack, let me let me come back to your work and, and um, your, at this point what your pursuits are. Um, so this is a kind of an open forum moment for you. And okay. um, so uh, we have a few minutes 
uh, as part of this podcast, this episode. And so uh, what is one message or one idea, one way of thinking that you want to share with the audience and ask them to take with them from this conversation? Well, I'm going to share the mantra that uh, Dr. Goodall gave to me or share with me when we're, we were having uh, uh, some takeout food and talking about the, where the world is today. Um, one of the reasons, once we decide to engage, many of us don't because we don't know how. Um, or we get discouraged that my little single act won't make a difference. Um, the mantra she shared with me is we can choose action over despair. And that means get up and do something tomorrow morning and the next day and the next. I healed my heart and opened my soul walking 14 months with a fox every day, a mile or so as we went. So I, I appreciate the opportunity to merchandise that message is that don't give up. Uh, get started. Um, uh, I, for example, I, I'm uh, for my wife's birthday, which is in 10 uh, days. Uh, I've bought a hundred packs of butterfly garden seeds and we're going to spend the day planting them. And uh, uh, that experience is second to none. Uh, but I never would have thought that before. I would have even thought it was important. Um, certainly in my prior life, the hubris of humans, you know, we don't give, uh, progress is great, but all too often we hand the invoice to the animals and they're broke. Thank you. Yeah. Excellent. That's fantastic. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, so, uh, Jack, uh, your book, uh, Fox world, uh, coming out soon in paperback is that what I think that uh, you shared with us. Yeah, it's out. It's out as we speak. It's out as we speak uh, last right? week, yes. Okay, so it's uh, and readily available. I would assume through all the major booksellers. Um, it is, but if I could put in a little plug for your independent bookstore absolutely. or bookshop dot bookshop dot org, which will give the proceeds to that little indie bookstore, is nothing like going to a small town. I went to seventeen of them on my book signing tour. And made, I now have 17 new best friends yeah. uh, to take nothing away from big corporate America and how they distribute books. But yes. Yeah, we well, can do it differently. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, not just uh, sharing of yourself, uh, sharing of your time and your uh, great energy. It's been an absolute pleasure having you in this conversation uh, on True Alignment. So uh, with that, we're going to, we're going to wrap it up. Yeah. Thank you for, uh, again, uh, Fox World, uh, look for the book. Uh, thank you, uh, Jack. It's been a real, real pleasure. And uh, I'm Edgar Papke. Thank you. I'm Ken Sagendorf. Jack, thanks for sharing with us. Yeah, thank you. Good day. Questions, thoughts, comments, anything at all. And if you want to send us anything to pass on the Jack, uh, please include it. Again, it's info at truealignment.com. And we'll look forward to seeing you next time around. I'm Edgar Papke. I'm Ken Sagendorf. Thanks, everybody. And live aligned. <laughs>